Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Maddie A here. Welcome into today's show. I've got my brother, Mr. A.T. Anthony Tolliver, and we're going to be digging in on how he not only made millions on the court as a professional NBA basketball player, but how he got dubbed as the entrepreneur of the year and kind of became this entrepreneurial icon within the professional athletes community and now has made millions off the court as well. If you're not familiar with Anthony Tolliver, he's an NBA player, he's an entrepreneur, he's a family man. He is a GP at Wealthfleet. He is the founder of 356 Real Estate and 356 Ventures. With a focus on real estate and seed funding, his business ventures range across many sectors, including tech, media, retail, direct-to-consumer, software, e-commerce. The dude's got his hands in all kinds of amazing things, and he does it with so much grace and humility and balance. Um, he's also a very highly sought-after speaker and has a mission to spread financial literacy amongst athletes. And we really dug in on his entrepreneurial journey. Uh, got to learn a lot about, one, how he found the levels of discipline and the frameworks he used to create this ability to go and perform at the level that professional athletes are required to perform. He also shared how he has handled the pressure over the years and stayed grounded on and off the court throughout his career. He talked about his investment philosophies, his biggest winners, some of his losers. Uh, we talked about his favorite billionaire entrepreneur that you've never heard of. This is probably, in his uh, opinion, the number one wealthiest athlete of all time over Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. It was very interesting to hear uh, some of the lessons that he learned from this individual. And uh, we got to dig in on some of his you know, philosophies of keeping balance and the family and his faith uh, at the foundation of everything he does and how that's really helped open up doors and create more access to opportunities, some of his favorite NBA moments. It was a fun conversation with Anthony. I know you're going to get some great value from today's interview, but before we dive in, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes at millionairemindcast.com for Anthony's episode where you'll find a show recap as well as all the links and resources shared in this interview. And last but not least, if you guys enjoy the interview, you know what it is. Always, we ask, just share it with a friend, a family member on social media, and most importantly, just take 60 seconds to leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you enjoy listening to this content on. But without any further ado, thanks for tuning in today, guys. And let's dive into today's episode with Anthony Tolliver right after this quick message from today's show sponsors. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions and of course larger deals and paydays all around we call this deep sales and linkedin has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of linkedin sales navigator right now our millionaire mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try linkedin sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast that's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show my brother, A.T. Anthony Tolliver. How are we doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? It's good to... Uh, be talking some business, talking some hoop, talking some life with you as always. You know, you're you're somebody that um I've 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 grown to just not only respect your discipline and diligence around 
you know, your business. But as I've learned more about how you are disciplined as a husband, as a father, a man of faith, I mean, you just got back from a, a pretty cool service trip in Africa. Yeah. 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 So me and my, me and my wife got a chance to go out to Tanzania, Africa with an organization that I'm on the board of called world serve. And uh, we were able to sponsor a well with my, through my family foundation and, and, uh, you know, did it in, in honor of my mother. And it was just an amazing, amazing trip. It was a awesome opportunity to go out there and, you know, literally in the middle of nowhere where you would never expect people, you know, there's people, right. There's people. And then not only people, there's thousands of people and those thousands of people have to walk miles to get clean water. And so just to be a part of a solution, uh, to be able to bring clean, healthy water to them, uh, in a, in a very tangible way, which just, it was a life-changing event. I love it, man. I, it's, it kind of reminds me of, um, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and he was talking about kind of the, the four legacies of money and most people, really don't unlock any of these things, but the people who are very intentional about building their wealth and, you know, their impact, um, it was income freedom, right. Of like not being a slave to trading time for money all the time. And then the income freedom creates that time freedom of how you can spend it, which really most people want to spend their time freedom with the people and the relationships and on the things that they really, really love. So it's the relationship freedom, which then kind of ties into the last one, which deep down inside, I think all humans have this natural innate desire to have service freedom and making an impact and a difference in serving other people. And you've essentially been able to do all of that. And I think it'd be great to kind of start from the beginning of, you know, when you were trying to unlock that income freedom, when did it all start on this journey of hoop where you saw this as a real path and career for you? Um, you know, as your passion kind of unfolded, you know, starting out. No, I would say, I would say some time, time around late high school, early college is when, I started to understand, okay, there's not a lot of guys who are my size. There's not a lot of guys who have my shooting ability. There's not a lot of guys who have my work ethic, right? So at that point, I think I was like, okay, I I think I could, I don't know if I'm going to make the NBA, but I think I could make money, you know, and some significant money. And so for me at that time, you know, my dad, working class guy, you know, used car salesman, worked at Kraft Foods, you know, like not, never had, you know, a bunch of extra money to invest or anything like that. Mom was a teacher, so definitely didn't have any extra money to invest. Uh, you know, we had money enough to pay our bills and for the most part, right? Every once in a while, those would even be in question. But, uh, you know, pay our bills, get what we needed, Every once in a while, mainly birthday and Christmas, you get a few things that you want, but that's it, right? Like it wasn't, it was, there was no extra, you know? So, uh, so for me at a, you know, at an early age, I was like, okay, when I, when I decided to go to Creighton, I actually went there for pre-med because I was like, I want to be a doctor because I want to make a bunch of money if I, if this basketball thing doesn't work out. Right. Yep. And so that's kind of how, you know, my mindset started shifting towards like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta earn a lot of money, right? Is it basketball? Is it being a doctor or whatever? I gotta earn money because I want, I want to be able to change the trajectory of my family's financial life. I didn't know what it was going to be yet, but once, once basketball became, you know, once I started kind of seeing those, those things, I was like, okay, forget the pre-med stuff <laughs> I <gotta put> that <laughs> to the side. We're going all in on who. Uh, yeah, all in on hoop and all in on finance because I had never been taught really about money. Yeah. So I was like, I want to know, I want to learn about money because if I'm going to have it, I'm not losing it. I'm trying to grow it. And so that was the reason why I switched gears. Instead of doing pre-med, I became a, a finance major and got my degree in finance. I love it. See, I didn't know that you got your degree in finance because I was going to say, what was kind of the catalyst for going? Because you know, a lot of guys... 
we'll just keep it in the vein of hoops, right? Or, or professional athletes, like they see the path to money and they're like, okay, I know I can go make this money. But not many of them go, I need to really sharpen my axe and pencil on my financial skills. Like if they put in the same amount of discipline as they do in hoop and with their bodies and their diets and, and discipline around that into their finances, I think we both agree, right? There'd be a lot less broke professional athletes, but like, what was it for you catalyst wise that really created that level of discipline for your finances as you had for your, you know, your fitness and, and your hoops? Yeah. So, I mean, first, first thing I want to address, I actually do believe that, you know, since that, that documentary that came out, uh, named broke, since that came out and, you know, some of those statistics that have been named in in that documentary, I actually, I, I've not done a study, right. But just from being around as many professional athletes as I have been around for the last, you know, 15 years, I actually believe that those numbers have drastically changed for the better. Love it. I I do not believe that sixty percent of NBA players are are broke after five years any any longer. There are a lot of programs we put into place that have actually helped you know to bridge that gap and everything else. Um, but so I, I did want to address that. I do feel like that's going in the right direction. I would be really interested to see a, a new study done mm-hmm. on on athletes. I think there's a massive increase in in wealth preservation. But to answer your question about finance, financial discipline. I think that for me, I'm just a overall very disciplined person when it comes to self-improvement, I guess is, 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 you know, so anytime I have an opportunity to get better at something, I have no issues having the discipline that goes along with it. So whether that is physically, so waking up every single morning, I'm retired from basketball, but I still wake up every single morning and I'm in the gym not necessarily doing basketball every day, but I'm working out and I'm 90 minutes, right? Like I'm going hard and it's has nothing to do with my profession anymore, but it's just who I am. The habits right? you've created. So, right. And so the, the discipline of hard work, keeping my body in shape. Like when I go to Mexico, I want those abs that I had when I was 25, right? Like I, like I'm not, I don't plan on losing these abs, right? Like this is, I'm, I want to be 75 looking like this, right? Like that's, yep. So, cause it's, it's not hard because it's, I'm, it's self-improvement, right? I know that I'm going to get something out of this workout. Um, same thing as mental, you know, mental improvement. So reading books and listening to books constantly, instead of listening to, you know, trash, right. Instead of, <laughs> instead of watching the news all the time, like I'm, I'm literally pouring into myself on the daily, almost anytime I have a 15, 20 minute window, I am listening to a, a book that is going to help me in my journey. All right. I'm listening to a podcast that's going to, you know, help change my mindset. It is. So when it comes to financial discipline, it, it just was another one of those pillars where I knew that that was something that I didn't have a lot of practice in. My family didn't have a lot of practice in. So I knew if anybody was going to change, it had to be me. And I had to get get better at it. So just like pick up the basketball every day to get better, I had to pick up a book or, you know, do whatever it took to to get better at the money game. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what, it after getting into it, it uh made me realize how little I really know. Cause uh man, there's there's a lot out here. <laughs> yeah, there, it's it's a wild world of finance, right? It's like, you know. If you can win the the game of money and under, it's like sitting down to a chessboard for the first time and being like, all right, so what do all these players do? There's a hierarchy here, obviously. There's for sure strategy of what goes into winning this game. Once you play chess 50 times or 100 times, you're like, all right, things are starting to slow down a little bit for me. I see what you're doing over there. I should be doing this little move here, right? You start kind of connecting those dots. But when you first sit down to the board, there's things that you're like, ah, I wish I would have known that a little bit earlier. What are some of the financial lessons that you've learned over your journey, being in all kinds of VC and real estate, your professional career that you wish starting out, you would have known a little bit earlier? Yeah. Well, just to to kind of piggyback on, you know, your, your thought process of it being a chessboard, right? Yep. What I've learned is that there's a, there's a chessboard kind of in this realm, right? And I would say that that is kind of like the 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 normal 
you know, financial literacy, education, and everything else. And then do you watch Stranger Things? Oh, bro. We're like, my family's so, obsessed with it. So the, the, uh, the upside down, right? Yeah. I, I, there, to me, there is a financial chessboard, but it's in the upside down where if you don't know about it, you don't know about it, but if yep. you know about it, you know about it. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, and it's like, and the people who know about it don't want everybody else to know about it. Right. And so that is what has blown my mind more than anything. It's yeah. like, is like, you know, being in the NBA, having certain doors being open that would have never been opened unless I was in the NBA, then getting access and, and opportunities in some of these things that you're like, this is like, wait, this is legal. Like, how do you make this? <laughs> how do you guys make this much money legally? Like, they're like, yeah, this is just what we do. Like, so that that's been the most mind blowing thing in the world to me. And I'm just I'm glad that I'm, you know, that I'm exposed to it because yeah. I get a chance to take advantage of some of those opportunities. So um, but yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to address that because I that is to me one of the most that that is what blew my mind probably more than anything. Yeah. I, I, when I've gotten into certain circles and I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not capable of finding access. I'm a pretty, I would say affluent, you know, fortunate in a lot of different ways. And when you think about some of the stuff you learn along the way and you're like, damn, if, if I'm in the position I'm in and I'm just learning about this stuff, like mm-hmm. 99% of the players on that chessboard, you know, they're set up as pawns. Right. And right. so the right. beauty of why I love having these conversations and why I know you and I share a lot of, you know, passion for financial literacy is you said access, right? I think being a key word and with technology and the landscape changing and kind of the world of access now, very different than it was maybe 10, 20, 15, you know, um, 30 years ago, you know, more and more people have access to tools and resources and conversations that can change their financial future. Like you talked about, um, So as you've gotten into your financial journey and you've really built great disciplines around, you know, areas and buckets of your life that are important and matter to you and are aligned kind of with your vision, what have been some of those key foundational habits, you know, in certain buckets of your life when it comes to wealth building or relationship with your wife or being a dad? Because you juggle, I see a lot of things and yet you Mm -hmm. still find balance so I always love to know about people's frameworks and habits that give them that rhythm of keeping that balance and still being highly productive. Yeah. So a couple of different things, uh, for me, everything starts with the foundation, right? When you build a house, every, you build a house on a foundation, if the foundation sucks. Everything else eventually is going to come tumbling down. So my foundation is my faith. Every single day I wake up, first thing I do is I, is I read the Bible and I try to learn from it and meditate on it. And I pray, and I literally just try to get into a mindset that allows me to, you know, be grateful, have uh, humility and understand how truly incredibly blessed I am. Because if I start every day with that, you know, as my foundation, there's really nothing that can, like, I can't really have a bad day, right? Like if I have that foundation as, as every single day, like I just put myself in a state of, of great you know, gratitude and understanding like, Hey, I have a healthy four kids, wonderful wife, awesome family, you know, sisters, brothers, and you know, everybody, everybody's just good. Like everybody's yeah. in a good spot. So the rest icing on the cake, right? adversities throughout the day, uh, not really that big of a deal. <laughs> right. right. My wife, my wife always says, you know, Hey, like, man, you, you, you have the, uh, you know, the ability to like let things go better than anybody I've ever met. And I'm like, it's because I keep everything in perspective. Yeah. Most things that we trip about on a daily basis really aren't that important. Nah. Just, that just for some reason you, you might've woke up on the wrong side of the bed and and then that day, that particular situation makes you extra mad and you, you just, it just, it just, you know, puts you in a bad spot. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, the balance of the family and, and finances and, 
you know, business and entrepreneurship and and all the above. <clears throat> I actually heard, I can't remember who said this, but I actually thought it was really interesting. They said, there's no such thing as balance. They're like, if you try to balance, you everything fails. They're like, you have to be 100% focused and present in whatever you're doing at that moment. So if you're in business, if you're doing, if I'm in work, if I'm doing work, in order to maximize that thing, I have to be 100% focused on my work. That doesn't mean you work, you don't have to work 20 hours a day, right? Yep. Like, But if you're focused, you should be able to knock out things way quicker, which gives you more time to focus on your wife, to focus on your kids, to focus. So I'm still a work in progress, right? Like you might see it on Instagram. You might think I'm, you know, got it, you know, got it all figured out sometimes with the, with the balance, but I've actually kind of adopted the mindset of, uh, you know, balancing time maybe, but like when I'm locked in on something, I I'm trying to fully engage in that. So if I'm working, I'm locking the door, put my headphones on, yeah. you know, kids leave me alone. I'm working. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, when I'm done working, I'll take these headphones off, turn off this computer, and I am 100% focused on you, right? I'm I'm a work in progress. I'm trying to get better at that. I think that is ultimately the path I want to go down uh, and have that be my normal. And I feel I really feel like that is something that everybody can kind of learn from and and uh, you know kind of adopt as well because I yep. feel like it's it's a mindset that makes a lot of sense. I agree. I uh, it was maybe I don't know two or three years ago, I was like, man, how could I, how could I create what I do 365 days a year to be just what I do and it not feel like work? It's just my lifestyle. And I think it's a great conversation to think about how do you fit in all of the priorities of your overall life, right? Which does include work and hustle every day in some capacity, but also lots of play, lots of love, lots of service, lots of whatever you want to have in that kind of, you know, pie chart of of life. And when I started thinking about that, it was like, this is for sure possible to instead of work five and, you know, be lazy for two, like, how do I just find a way to create this fluid motion of work, play, balance, love, you know, health, all of the things that are important for people. And when you get intentional through creating that awareness, right, you can actually create a plan that you can execute on if you have the discipline to go in and just do the work in those areas you've spent the time getting clear on based on what your priorities are. And so I love that you kind of talk about, you know, the gratitude and humility and how that frames your perspective and foundation every day. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it sounds like one of your superpowers is emotional management, um, you know, and is that through your faith? Is that through just your consistent preparation and, and, and daily practices? Is it a combination of all? Like, how have you been able to keep this perspective in life going through, whether it's high emotional moments on the court, whether it's high emotional moments, you know, uh, in contract negotiations, business investments, like how do you manage the highs and lows of fears and doubts and, you know, people talking whatever on you, like, yeah. How, do you, how do you handle that? Um, so uh, the answer is all the above, right? Like you, you said, you know, multiple different things there, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, just the ability to, to, to keep perspective, the, the ability to keep perspective is really based upon, you know, my faith, like I said, you know, my family, my upbringing, my environment, you know, all the things that, that I was exposed to growing up, like, the in and I'm not even saying negative things. I, I'm talking about positive things. The the amount of love that my mom showed and my dad showed, my sister showed me, and you know, well, besides one of my sisters, she beat me up all the time. But <laughs> hey, somebody gonna make you hard, right? That made me that made me tougher, right? Like yeah. You know, so it's like they all they all participated in you know building me up. But you know the perspective that you know I received from a very young age that has never left my brain. And it's something I'm trying to replicate for my kids is there's always people with more. There's always people with less. Mm -hmm. You have to love yours. You know, uh, uh, J Cole is one of my favorite, uh, rap artists and he has a song called love yours. And it's, it's, he's like a prophet. Like, it's like literally 
it's like one of those things that everybody should listen to and understand. It's like, man, stop comparing your everything to everybody. You'll never be happy if you're always comparing your life, your situation to other people. If you use it for motivation, great. But if you use it for a way to, you know, oh man, I don't have this. So my life isn't this. It's like, well, people pray for what you have every day, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I don't care what level you are. I don't care if you're making $30,000 a year. There's somebody praying to wish, they wish they made $30,000 a year, right? Yeah. But if you're never exposed to those people or to those situations or to those, you know, whatever, like you'll never, you'll never truly, in my opinion, you'll never truly have the right perspective because you'll always think that you'll be happy if you have a little bit more. If you're not happy with what you have now, you'll never be happy with what you'll get later. It's yep. just, it's just, just how life works. It's, it's, you know, some of the richest people I've ever met are the most miserable, right? Yep. So it's not about having 50 million or 500 million or 5 billion or 50 billion. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're, if you're stuck in a rut at $50,000 a year, you'll be stuck in a rut with $500,000 a year. Like yeah. you have to learn to have a perspective of there's always people with more. There's always people with less. Appreciate what you have. Appreciate the the great things in your life, health and everything else. I mean, perfect example. Uh, was it uh, Steve Jobs, right? Oh, yeah. He, pa- he passed away, right? Like, yep. he, like one of the richest people on the planet. He couldn't, you can't buy, you can't buy health. Yeah. Right. You can't buy it. Like you can work out, you can do a lot of different stuff, but man, that's just what it is. Like he had all the money in the world, but he couldn't save himself. So it's like money's cool. Money's great. Money's a tool, right? Money's something to, you can use to help other people to have great vacations, all this different stuff. But if you don't have that perspective of, you know, staying humble and staying, you know, and, and being happy where you're at. It just, man, it is, it just makes for a tough life. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. When you were in, uh, when you were in the NBA, you know, you entrepreneur of the year, uh, you, you kind of carved out this identity of not only being a hooper and, and crushing it on the court, but then you started really amplifying and building this parallel identity of, business and and getting into opportunities, you know, and leveraging the income that you were making in hoop to go and build more income off the court. What was the first opportunity that kind of kicked that off for you? And how did you step into it? Uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship kind of, you know, pretty natural for me. And, and I say that because I don't feel like it's natural for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think there's a lot of people who are truly built to just work for for other people. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Right? Like I, and I say that's totally fine because I love those people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like I, I, I will hire a great employee any day of the week because they're hard to find. Right. Yeah. And so the, the best employees, I mean, they're great assets and, and shoot, you can get, you know, you can get paid a lot of money, you know, and there's a, you know, there's a lot of successful employees. Right. But for me, you know, I started working at Dairy Queen at the age of 15 and was making like 750 an hour, worked a couple weeks. And then at the end of two weeks, I get like 150, 180 bucks. And I'm like, huh, all that work didn't seem like the, the, the reward is, is lining up there, right? Like, and so I did that. I actually did it for two off seasons. So like I worked there for like two years, right? 15, 16 year old. Well, simultaneously, I was like, all right, let me see if I can start a different business, right? So started a lawn mowing business and really, you know, really, really, really fast. I figured out, all right, I can make like $30 an hour or even more sometimes mowing the lawn. It's cash. So I'm not paying any taxes, <laughs> Yeah. right? And so I go mow five lawns. I'm done in five hours and a weekend on one day, right? And I just cleared basically the same amount of money as I did from two weeks of work at Dairy Queen. 
I was like, yeah, this entrepreneur thing is, is definitely the way to go, right? Like yep. I'm going to own my own business, have my own schedule, work when I want to and make more money than I would if I just go get a job somewhere else. So it started then, right? It started when I was like 15, 16. Then I started a car detailing business, realized same thing. It's like, hey, I just got to, I got to network a little bit, you know, make sure people understand that I can do this. I can clean a car. I can mow a lawn. Like that's not hard, right? That That's just, it's hard work, but it's not hard. It's not like a, you got to go to school for two years to learn how to mow a lawn or two years to learn how to clean a car. I do that for free for my mom, right? Like, so, right. So for me, I was like, I can make money doing this type of stuff. That's easy, right? Bet. So I started there. And so I've just always had that mindset ever since then, since I was 15, 16 years old. And so when I got into the NBA or when I started playing professionally, started making a few dollars, um, I realized very, very quickly that that money that I was bringing in, I was going to start putting to work immediately. So some guys take, it takes three or four years and millions of dollars of them blowing before they realize that's not sustainable. I'm going to, I'm going to have to start investing so that after I'm done, I still have a lot of money and I can yep. live. But I was, I was like, forget that. <laughs> I'm not blowing a penny, right? Like, so I uh, bought a real estate, a piece of real estate, literally as soon as I could raise uh, or uh, get enough capital to, to buy a rental property. Very first thing I bought before I even bought myself a car or anything, I bought a rental property. Just a, hey, got one, you know, over time, we'll, we'll build it up. But yeah. I got one rental property. In the game. In the game, right? In the game. And so did that. Uh, shortly thereafter, as far as on the venture side of things, uh, I was able to invest in uh, a company called Active Faith, and which is a, a Christian athletic apparel company. And the thing is, it was like a small amount of money. It wasn't a lot, but it was also like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to analyze deals or anything like that. But I just had like the entrepreneurial spirit. I'm like, hey, this could work. We could figure this out. Let's, let's go figure this thing out. And so that got me started. In, in on that journey of just like starting businesses. And I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of the beginning, but I mean, obviously I've done a whole lot since then and uh, had a lot of great successful startups that I've, I've helped, uh, you know, go from the, the ground up. What's been your most successful one and why? So numbers wise, so far, uh, the most successful one has been Big Blanket. So I love my big blanket, by the way. Yeah. Well, there, that's why it's successful. So you just answered your own question. Uh, those things have been amazing. It, we, we, we had an idea. We knew it, we knew it made sense and we, you know, sourced a really unbelievable product. And we, like I said, we didn't know it. Like we didn't know at the time we thought it was cool. We thought it was cool, but we didn't know how everybody else is going to react to it and everything else. But man, yeah. in two, in two and a half years, you know, that thing did really well for me. It, I 80 X my money uh, on the first exit and I still have ownership in it. So it's, you know, not a bad deal yeah, uh, for sure. Right. Like it, it, it went very, very quick and uh, you know, and blew up very, very quick. And so you know, we're still, we're still rolling, you know, still selling those big old blankets. If, Bo, if Boban can fit in one of them blankets, you know, it's a big ass blanket. Yes. And he can, he can stand, he can stand, stand up, put his hand all the way up and he still does not reach to the top of a big, big blanket. That just they're, tells you how big it is. They're amazing. If you guys haven't checked them out, um, we'll, we'll include the link in the show notes. Cause they're, they're awesome. And, uh, AT sent me one and me and my girls, my wife, we all get on the couch, get the big blanket, you know, get the popcorn, watch the Netflix. So, uh, that, that's, that's been a fun one. What's been your, what's been your worst investment and why, and what'd you learn from it? So all of the, the investments that, well, I was about to say all the, the bad ones, really all of the investments are, in in their success or not success most of the time uh, not every time most of the time is a reflection of the people who are running it mm. right so when people talk about you know being invested in people 
I think you even mentioned earlier, like you invest in people, not so much, uh, you know, the business all the time. Right. And so, you know, business is important, right? It, it's very important. You, uh, it's, but the people who are running the business make or break it. Yeah. Right. Sometimes there's flukes, right? There's, you know, our real estate, uh, me and my real estate partner, we've done a lot of deals and we've lost money on one project. Right. And so I can't say like, oh, it's a reflection of him that we lost money on that project because he yeah, was right. running it. But it was just like, that one was just like, all the numbers worked out. Everything looked good. Everything penciled out and it just didn't work. Right. So that happens. And that happens in business too, in venture and everything else. Like, so sometimes it's not, but the ones I've lost on and lost big on, it's like, I look back, I'm like, Ooh, why did I do that? <laughs> right. Like why, why did I invest in that person? Right. Because it, they showed their face, right. Like, you know, like they showed their true character and, yep. and who they really were, you know, maybe I got tricked at the beginning, maybe, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, I'm like, there's always, there's always a time where I'm like, all right, I don't know if I should do this. And then if I end up doing it anyway, and then I'm like, now lose. And I'm like, well, dang it. I, I, I had the discernment. Yeah. Right? I had the discernment, but I didn't follow the discernment. And so that's probably the biggest thing I learned and have learned over the past decade plus of investing is, is that discernment you know, even if it just looks like it's the next best thing and it's awesome and it's great. I mean, I've had guys have their discernment say no, and then it blows up, right? Like, so it's, it can go both ways, right? Yep. Like you can say no to something and it blows up and you say, crap, my discernment sucked there. But I would say most of the time your discernment's probably right. And yeah. I would say, trust, trust your gut in, in those moments. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Yeah, they're one of my favorite quotes from... Um... Uh, a book by Susan Scott. It's called Fierce Conversations. And it's just around leadership and leading people, conversations, good, tough, fierce, all of that. And she she often says in the book, um, don't just trust your gut, obey your gut. Because I, I've been through many of those scenarios where you're like, you don't know if I should do this, right? There's that hesitation. And if you do move forward, most of the time when it doesn't work out, your gut was 100% right, you know, and there's that, mm -hmm. that level of, of intuition that, you know, it's kind of hard to measure, but it, it oftentimes is spot on, right? So mm -hmm. it's always interesting when you say that when it comes to, you know, investing in deals, who have been some of the leaders in your world that have inspired you, that you love to follow, that you love learning from, that you like being in conversation with? So... From a from a like outside looking in standpoint, because I've had a couple conversations with them, 
and he's in a completely different industry than what I am in now, but he's always been someone I've looked up to majorly is Junior Bridgman. I don't know if you know who that is. No, who is that? Most people don't. And that's exactly why he is my hero, right? He so, wants it to be that way. Right. So he is, I think, behind Michael Jordan and maybe Magic Johnson. Maybe. He might be ahead of Magic Johnson. But I think he is the highest earning athlete potentially ever behind Michael Jordan. And, What's his name and, again? Junior Bridgman. So he he played in the NBA. I believe he was a one-time all-star, maybe a two-time all-star, like, you know, a good player, right? Yep. Good. Yep. But he, he played back in like the maybe late 70s, early 80s, you know, type time frame. I think he might have played nine or 10 years, like good, solid career. But back then they didn't make a lot of money, right? Yep. And And he, you know he did stuff on the side. So he started a Wendy's. He, he, he invested in a Wendy's while he was playing. Right. First Wendy's did terrible. Right. Like it just did not go well, but he learned a lot and he yep. was actually in the business. Like he was, you know, he's playing in the NBA, but he was like all in the numbers following it, like really, really learning. Cause he really, and he really liked it. Anyways, uh, he finishes his career. And he had, I'll never forget this number either. He had $900,000 saved up, right? And he took every penny and invested it into either two or three additional Wendy's franchises in the the area he was in. Mm -hmm. And he went all in. He went all in on it, right? I'm going to run these Wendy's. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to make this, I'm going to make it happen, right? Went all in. And then Wendy's just started basically saying, hey, you're doing such a great job with these. Here's a couple more. You can get deal. So he just started building this conglomerate. And over, I don't know, 20 years or so, he built up, I want to say, 500 restaurants. Oof. So 500 Wendy's, Cheddar's, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, like like multiple different franchises, not just Wendy's, but mainly Wendy's. I think it's two or 300 Wendy's, but then a couple hundred other restaurants. And so yeah. he built up, you know, two, three, four hundred million dollar net worth uh, from these the, the restaurant business. Well, then <laughs> Coca Cola approaches him because all his restaurants had Coca Cola products, and he was such a good operator. Coca Cola comes to him and offers him an opportunity to be, I think, one of two individuals in the history of Coca Cola to run and operate a distribution center. So. And I don't know what, what that looks like from an ownership standpoint, because I know since then his net worth has exploded. So I'm assuming. <laughs> it's probably pretty nice. Right. I'm assuming there's some ownership uh, attached to his new role with Coca-Cola. Yeah. And so now I'm, you know, to my knowledge, he, he is, if he's not there yet, he's close to being a billionaire. Right. And he, I don't he might've made a couple million dollars in the NBA, maybe. Right. So that's why he is, he's, he's someone I've always looked up to because it's, I'm not, I'm not discounting Michael Jordan. I'm not discounting magic Johnson, Shaq. I'm not discounting any of these guys who are hundred millionaires and close to billionaires, whatever. Yep. But you and I both know it's a lot easier to be a billionaire. If you start out with a couple hundred million, Yep. you start out with 50 million. It's a lot easier to get to the B if you start with 50 M's or 500 M's, right? Yep, yep. So not discounting any of those guys, but Junior to me is the most successful athlete off the court in the history of sports. I love that because you never hear his name. And I... Ever. What I'm actually, I don't want, I don't want anybody to know my name. I want, I want, I want to follow his tracks. I want to do exactly what he's done. I want to be, you know, a massively successful businessman. And then most people not like who, who's Anthony Tolliver? He played in the NBA. Oh, that's cool. Whatever. Like, oh, he's a billionaire. (laughs) You know, like, like, holy crap. Like, exactly. So that's why he's, he's always been someone I looked up to because it's, you know, I don't, I don't need the flash. I don't care about fame. I don't, I don't want, I don't care about any uh, newspaper articles or anything. I just want to 
be successful, help as many people as I can and, and bring as many people up as I can, as I'm Mm. building up. Mm. I think usually it's the people with those type of intentions behind their motivation and inspiration to go and generate more wealth and money that end up not only generating that wealth and money, but having that great impact and service in ways that the people who just want the money for the flash, for the recognition, for all the wrong reasons, Mm -hmm. um, that often struggle to get it because there's no true genuine purpose behind it outside of just serving yourself. Right. And so I was going to ask you a little bit about, you know, what is the vision and the goal and the legacy as you, you know, macro, micro, short-term, long-term look like for AT? So I'll start internally. So for myself, I mean, really (laughs) there, it sounds kind of weird. I don't think there's, there's, there's not a, I've already achieved more than I ever imagined growing up, right? So as far as even financially, yeah, like where we are financially today compared to where I would have ever thought I could have gotten to, I've already surpassed that. So individually, I'm like, do, yeah, I'm going to continue to grow and build. Absolutely. But individually, like I've kind of already achieved a lot of the goals that that I had set out for as a kid you know, going out to my family. So my goal with my family is to put every single one of my family members that have the ability to, you know, bring value, right? Like, because once again, some people are just like, hey, I want to be an employee. I don't want, I don't want to go out and learn a new skill. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I'm trying to, you know, have my job at this place, pay my bills and live my life. I have no problem with that. I'm going to support you all day long come yep. over for a barbecue. Whenever we have family barbecue, like you're not banished from my family because of that, but any of my family members that want more, right. Yeah. Any of them that want to grow and expand. And, you know, like my brother-in-law, he, he's like, I want to do real estate. He's got his license. So I was like, I'll invest. Let's do this. Like I will help you build, right. I'll use my capital to help you build your own capital. So when we go on vacations in the future, I don't have to pay for everything. You can pay for your own. (laughs) (laughs) right. That's kind of, that's kind of my vision and goal for my family is to like everybody who wants it, go set them up in a position to go get it. I love it. Same thing. And then I just kind of build that out with my friends as well. And my, you know, friends and acquaintances, it's the same thing, you know, and that's pretty much where I've built a lot of my wealth. So big blanket, I did that with one, like my best friend. My best friend, he was playing overseas. Is that Dane? Yeah, Dane. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he was playing overseas. He, uh, you know, got a chance to come back. You know, he's like, I, you know, we're trying to figure out something to do together. This got presented to me through Dane. Actually, it was a friend of his. And I told them, I said, hey, listen, I'll do this. But uh, he wants to be a part of this company, not only getting paid, but he wants ownership. Right. So. That's how I plan on kind of moving forward, period. It's like anytime I can set up my family, anytime I can set up my friends and my people to advance, that's what I'm going to do. Those are the things I'm going to always gravitate towards are the things that I can help my people grow and advance. So, and then lastly, kind of when you say, you know, just keep building out, right? Yep. So I have a big goal, a big, hairy, audacious goal, right? And that is to help at least a hundred people in my lifetime become millionaires. Not because a million dollars is going to be the the number that gives everybody financial freedom, right? Yeah. In today's world, a million dollars is a lot, but it's really not a lot, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but it's just a, a tangible goal. It's a tangible number that I can track, something I can, you know, you know, actually do to to then that gives me a, Hey, I'm helping people get on track, right? I'm helping people go down the path of getting to financial freedom. If I can get them, you know, help them make a million bucks. So that's ultimately, you know, my goal, that doesn't have to be just family or friends, right? Like I can be anybody outside of my circle as well. Uh, if I'm, you know, directly involved, you know, if I'm an LP and a big syndication, I'm not counting that, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. if I'm the GP of a syndication, I am counting that. And what are you looking at in terms of opportunities 
right now that you think are interesting? You know, you're obviously in real estate, the market's shifting right now. I just want to get your, you know, perspective on what, you know, let's just say as we record this, I think today GDP came out at negative 0.9%. So two quarters of negative GDP were in a technical recession. You know, the Fed's raising interest rates again. What's your overall perspective on how you're navigating what feels like one day further away from the peak, one day closer to the trough, and what opportunities we know come in times of recession? What's your overall outlook on the market landscape that we're heading into? And how are you planning on capitalizing on it? And what should other people be paying attention to? Yeah, so I, you know, I, some some things are luck, right? Some things yep. uh, you can't plan, you, some things you don't like. You know, I can't take credit for that kind of the timing of you know, some of the things I've done. But, you know, one thing I did do and started to get into about a year ago was oil and gas. And one of the things that I feel like over the next, you know, couple of years, probably it's going to have a nice little run here is going to be like oil prices are just outrageous right now. Right. And so I, I have done a little bit in, in, in oil and gas, um, which I have been very lucrative and I think will continue to be lucrative. And uh, just because of the nature of where we are and, and everything else, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. But, you know, we won't go too deep into that. Um, so I think that's one area that, you know, that I've leaned into a little bit more just because of where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, truck parking. So me and uh, uh, a couple of my partners, we have a couple of truck parking lots, one in Jacksonville, one in Kansas City, Missouri, that are absolutely crushing it. And we did multiple, you did a couple years of, of, of research before even pulling the trigger on these. And we, you know, we found a very large, uh, a very large, uh, discrepancy in the amount of spots that are needed and in the spots that are that were available along the major highways across the United States. And so we identified a lot of different markets that are lacking through our research for two years. And so now it's like, okay. And then we wanted to prove out our model, which we have, <laughs> right? And with these two first two proper these first two projects. And now we're, you know, looking to scale that business because of like I said, it's low maintenance, high revenue, kind of hard to beat that combination. Um, so truck parking, because guess what? In a recession, what keeps going? Trucks. Logistics. Right? Like, yep. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it, that is about as recession proof as you're going to get. Logistically speaking, we can't have an economy without trucks, right? We can't get stuff from point A to point B without trucks. So guess what? Those things have to park somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, that's another place where, you know, leaning pretty heavily into on the real estate side, I, that's real estate. But then, you know, additionally on the real estate side, you know, just the nature of the market, there's not a lot of buying happening, but yep. yeah, things are more things that mean more down. That means more renting though. Right. Yep. So, you know, right now, we we have you know several projects that we we've done in the past that we were maybe thinking about selling at some point, but not anymore. Yeah, gonna hang on you know, to. Them. Yeah, the next couple of years we feel like rents are gonna continue to to grow and, and actually catch up. Yeah, you know, I feel like rents are a little bit suppressed from where they probably could be and should be, just like prices of homes were suppressed for such a long time. I think that you know the next wave of of growth is gonna be in the rental market. And so, uh, so those rent rent prices, just like you saw some of these house prices go nuts. I feel like rent's going to do something similar there. So anybody who has, you know, units to rent, I think they're going to be in a really good spot over the next two to three years. And yeah, so that's kind of where we've been leaning into and, you know, continuing to, to, to do some other exploration, right? Like it's yep. even in a down market, I'm, I'm one to continue to look at everything because there's always opportunities oh, yeah. in everything if you can get it for the right price, right? Yep. So I know everybody says, are, are you buying? I say, of course, I'm always buying as long as the numbers make sense, right? Like yep. 
Yep. You know, I know a lot of uh, in GoBundance in our champions group last um, last event we did, you know, a lot, a lot of people are hitting pause right now, or they're just underwriting 20, 30% lower today than, you know, yesterday. Um, but in times of turbulence, there's, there's obviously problems that need to be solved and opportunities, you know, present themselves for the people that are willing to, to solve them. So I think it's going to be an interesting and exciting, like you said, there's always a bull market somewhere. You just got to find out where that is and, you know, lean in, but going back to, you know, junior, right? Like he found what his tree trunk was and he chopped wood at that over and over and over and over again. And so how do you discern, um, on going out too wide and, you know, very little deep versus like being a generalist versus a specialist, you know, what, what's your advice to people that are starting out or scaling on that wealth journey when it comes to, that type of mindset and some of the disciplines that might serve them and, or, you know, to be aware of that could hurt them. Yeah. So for me, I, I've actually kind of had that concern for myself at certain points where I'm like, man, am I doing too much? Yep. And, and I was like, man, I need to find what, you know, what I need to like, what's my vertical. What's the thing that I'm just like, absolutely, you know, crushing. And I talked uh, it was actually, we were in Miami. I was talking with Adam West, I believe I was talking to, and yeah. Daniel Del Rey and a couple other guys. Um, and Adam's like, what are you talking about? Like, you played basketball for 32 years, right? That was that was your vertical, right? Like, that was, you have every right now to go horizontal and start, you know, That's real. Yeah. trying other stuff out. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> you know, like, so it was like, to me, it was like, it was almost freeing because I almost, it, it's kind of a weird thing. I have such, you know, we, we're kind of our own worst critics, right? Sure. Our, yeah. our own biggest critics. Like we're always giving ourselves the hardest time whenever we should be giving ourselves a lot more grace than we do. And, you know, it's just after playing basketball for so long. And now that I'm not playing basketball any longer, it was almost like, I felt like I needed to, man, I gotta, I gotta go be the best real estate developer. I got to go, be, I got to go find another vertical. And I'm like, really kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't have to do anything vertically, right? I don't have to go do a nine to five. I can work nine to five, but I can work nine to five on five, six, seven different things simultaneously. Right. And so, you know, from a standpoint of other people though, I, you know, I can't, my, my journey is not your journey right? Like I'm 37 years old. I'm in a great financial position. And, you know, the next 35, 37 years of my life could end up looking crazy incredible because of the things I've been able to do the past 37 years to, you know, to be able to build upon. Right. Yep. Yep. But, you know, most people don't become millionaires and super successful in their twenties and thirties and sometimes not even in their forties. Right. Sometimes it just, takes a while to get there uh, mm-hmm. through through a whole lot of time and discipline and, and everything else. And so, you know, I can't say, hey, go out and try five, 10 different things like I do, you know, because I'm just in a much different position than most people are. Yep. Um, so I would say, yes, 1000% find that foundation, right? To find that financial foundation and then build from there, right? Like whatever that is, if you have a job, and it's making enough money to be able to save and to invest and to grow. Great. You have a job and you don't have the ability to do all that. You got to have a side hustle. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right. Got to find a side hustle. You got to find something that's going to be able to build your asset class, right. To be able to buy assets, to be able to buy things that can help you grow. Cause just paying bills week by week, month by month and not saving, not investing, not doing the things to help grow you will be in a rat race your entire forever. Life. Yep. Forever. I always just tell people like, what? just ask yourself the question is, what does it take to earn the right to do X, right? Like, what does it take to earn the right to invest $200 of my paycheck every month? Or what does it take to earn the right to go and invest and buy a property? What does it take to earn the right to hire your first assistant, right? Is it a certain amount of reserves? Is it a certain amount of, you know, cash coming in once I get my income to here, then I can start doing that. You know, I think getting clarity in some of those questions 
gives you then permission, right? Like for you, it was like, well, what does it take to earn the right not to have to focus on one thing? Oh shit, I've been focused on one thing for 32 years. Like I earned exactly. the right with that level of discipline, building up my cash reserves, having enough, you know, investments uh, and a moat around my wealth and my foundation and my family to go and do some of these things, right? And so right. I think asking those questions are really powerful because then it just gives people clarity on what the answer is. And then you can work backwards on a plan to actually just take the steps, right? Follow the breadcrumbs of your, your, your path. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the key. <laughs> that is absolutely. I mean, uh, I completely agree with you. All right. So we wrapping up, I want to get some AT favorites, favorite book that you've read this year. Hmm. That's, that's a tough one. So I'm a, I'm big on like business books and everything else. Uh, but every once in a while I'll do things for entertainment. Yeah. And, um, and I really, really enjoyed the, uh, will. So the Will Smith book. Yeah. So it was, he came out was, that earlier this year, right? Yeah, I believe so. It was before the slap. It was okay. before the slap. <laughs> it came out with it before the slap. Uh, and it, it was it was one of the most entertaining books I'd ever listened to, read, been a part. Like it was. Did he self narrate? Incredible. He did. He did. Okay. See, he I was so, when the author narrates their own book. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, as far as the you know books, uh, you know business books or growth books or whatever, uh, just recently, and they also read the Gap and the Gain. And I thought that was really good as well. So. Yep. That's a good one. Favorite podcast you like listening to when you're trying to improve the mind? Uh, uh, my probably my uh, go to is just you know Bigger Pockets, uh, you know real estate podcast. Uh, just from a standpoint, because I'm actually more of an audible book person mm. because I like to listen to, to an audible book a couple times and really just try to. Because what I find is when I read a physical book. Actually, uh, ingest it better, or like it, and uh, it retain more. If I read a physical book, and I'm able to highlight some stuff and yep. you know, whatever. But if it's audible, sometimes I'm doing that whenever I'm doing other things, and so I miss stuff. Yeah, so I actually have late lately. I've been actually as soon as I finish the book, I'll listen to it again as immediately. Right, so I'm listening to things twice, and so. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but as far as podcasts go, that's probably, you know, one of the ones I listen to more than anything else. And, you know, I'll just kind of dibble and dabble in other podcasts as well. I've listened to yours before and, uh, you know, listen to uh, Jamie, Jamie Gruber's, uh, you know, listen to his podcast in the past and uh, just a few other, few other guys, just, you know, I'll just pop it on here and there. Yep. I feel it. Uh, favorite NBA moment. Favorite NBA moment, I would say either blocking Giannis, uh, blocking one of his dunks. I remember you played that on your IG a minute ago. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, that's pretty high up there. That's, it's, uh, one of the, one of the scariest, uh, uh <laughs> going up the to Greek freak. One of the, well, yeah. One of the scariest NBA moments, but also one of the, one of the best NBA moments. And then, uh, having my career high uh, in the in the game that allowed um, Don Nelson to become the winningest head coach of all time, so that game uh, I had my career high. How many did you so drop that game? Thirty four, thirty four. So it was a uh, an amazing, amazing night, and uh, had a lot of fun. I love it, brother. Well, I know a lot of people want to follow you on Instagram. They want to know more about Big Blanket or, you know, all the cool stuff that you got going on between the Tolliver Family Foundation, your investments, your book. Um, where's the best place for them to, to follow what you got going on? Yeah, Instagram is uh, atolliver44. And uh, my website is anthonytolliver.me. And pretty much my whole life is on there. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, uh, as far as, the businesses I'm involved in, uh, there's ways to contact me there. You know, obviously if you want to contact me directly and I have a newsletter, uh, that you can subscribe to and, and kind of follow my journey even more. And, uh, foundation is on there as well, uh, which we're, 
We're doing some really, really awesome things. We just launched it this year, uh, but essentially what we're doing is we've been doing so much philanthropy and, and giving for the past 15 years. We've just never done it under an entity. Yeah. Right. We've never done it under a nonprofit and we've never really, you know, tapped into the power of the collective. Right. Like, yep. so, you know, the ability to, you know, fund like when we funded wells over in Africa, stuff like that, you know, honestly, we looked at it like we have the ability to potentially, you know, raise money and not just do one or two. We could do three, four, five if we just put a little more effort into it, maybe mm-hmm. have a maybe have a golf tournament, maybe have this or that to you know, have the ability to, to even have more of an impact. So, you know, we're just looking for partners and people to, to join us on this journey to, to do some uh, pretty amazing stuff. I love it. Well, we'll be sure to link up all that in the show notes, guys, millionermindcast.com on AT's episode. Brother, I just want to say thank you, man. I appreciate you, you know, getting to know you, getting to do business with you, getting to just learn from you, getting to see how you live and, and, you know, what, um, what you, what I appreciate about you is not only are you a messenger and a steward of, you know, great practices and and values um, and disciplines, but you are truly somebody who actually lives it, you know, at at the highest level. Um, And that authenticity, I think is extremely powerful and a great superpower that you have. So I just want to thank you for coming on the show today and, um, you know, blessing the the Millionaire Mindcast family with some, some AT wisdom. Thank you, man. Appreciate you for having me. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you wanna support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info on how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools you can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always want to know, who do you guys want to hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.